Social Studies. Brought to you by Carol Royce. Your home sold guaranteed realties. Higherprice.com. Nine o'clock already. Time for some social studies. It's back as a staple at nine o'clock. And Sarah's here to take us through it. Hello. 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 Hi, hi. How are we doing? Doing good. Doing great. Great's a strong word. We've been spoiled with the lack of Mondays in the yes. last, like, two months, I'd say. We really have. I now, think. You know what would be good? Like, I know people say we got to go to a four-day work week, which I'm all for. Yes. But I would almost rather have the Monday off than the Friday off. Okay. I guess if it's consistent, it doesn't yeah. really matter, does it? I'm gonna I'm gonna run for office on this platform. I will vote for Vince. One hundred percent. All right, we Anywho. we are on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata. Hey, we ask you to vote for stuff there all the time. Uh, yeah. No no polls. Or do we have the one poll about the NBA player? Yes, we do. But we're going to start off with an open-ended question, guys, talking about the Phoenix Suns, their three-point loss to the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday on the road, and seeing Jay Crowder, an emotional thing for some Suns fans, seeing Jay Crowder on the opposite side of the court. Uh, But let's look at the Phoenix Suns roster. Again, open-ended. Which bench player do you believe deserves more rotation minutes and why? We're talking about how there are a few new faces who have not even touch the court. Yes. Um, deserves? I don't know. I, I I want to see what TJ Warren can bring. I, he's he's a scorer. Yeah. And there were times even in yesterday's game where early on, you know, first, second quarter, the Suns were struggling to put the ball in the hole. And, you know, they had some lineups out there when they go to their all-bench lineups and there's no Paul, no Aiton and Booker, which we've seen in the last couple games. I'd like somebody who's a little bit more adept at scoring. That it would was, be my vote. Yeah, it was rather disconcerting yesterday. Again, it was without KD, so take it for what it's worth. But the Bucks took I, or the Bucks were down, I think, eight at one point in time, and, and they called timeout. And I thought, I'm like, this is Suns going to win this game. Yeah. And from that point forward, every single possession was a challenge for yeah. the Suns, and they did not deal well with it. I'd like, I, I also want to see what this Darius Baisley kid's all about. Yeah. I'd like to see it, too. The, uh, now, as a taking minutes away from Ross, Lee, Wainwright, how would you get him in the rotation? I don't have a problem with limiting the minutes of any of those three guys. Right yeah. now, sure. Also, by the way, Chris Paul played 40 minutes last night. That's a problem. Oof. Yeah. Shane Christensen responded, answering which rotation player he'd like to see getting more minutes. TJ, that second unit is struggling to score, and that is what he does, like you guys were just saying. But it's all moot because KD is coming in Wednesday, we think. So the rotation will completely change moving forward, and we will see how things shake out from there. Alex Gonzalez says Darius Baisley because we have not seen him at all. Alex writes, the kid can't be any worse than Dario defensively. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah. Is that what's holding them back, his defense? I just think I think Monty is struggling getting these new guys into the mix. And yeah. he's relying on guys yeah. that are more familiar with mm-hmm. the operation. Yep, mm-hmm. that's exactly what he is. To that point, Jason Stovall responds, I don't dare to do Monty Williams' job, but you can tell he is playing too many guys right now. Several lineups against the Bucks just didn't work. Uh, and then Ross Vegas says, Cam... Pain, <laughs> so that you can say Cam. Um, pain? pain? Pain. Yes. <laughs> Put like a hundred periods down. That was actually really impressive. That's quite the pause there. Quite the pause. The ellipse. Johnson. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, Cam's got to play better to play more, though. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. There was a reason he played seven minutes that's yesterday. True. Somebody needs to play, though. You can't yeah, have but see, because Chris you can't, Paul play 40 yeah, minutes yeah, a game yeah, down the stretch. That's unacceptable for your backup point guard yeah. with giving Chris Paul. You can't, you can't do that. All right, continue. All right, let's continue. Let's go to our next question. Uh, Damian Lillard went for 71 points for the Trailblazers last night. I know, 71. That ties the season high for an individual performance. Uh, Donovan Mitchell got 71 against the Bulls in January. And Donovan Mitchell's mother apparently said, well, now you have to go to 72. That's what he tweeted uh, last night. We're asking, yes or no, will an NBA player score 100 in a game in the next five years. Oh, man. I will say no. I'm going to say no, too. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you would, I mean, that's, it's just such a gigantic number that, no, yeah, I'm going to say no. 100 I'm, is the number, the next highest number is 81. That's not a 19-point yeah, gap. it's a 19-point yeah. gap. Yeah. I, 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 will somebody I, get over 81? That might be in question. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did that within the next year. I think we're going to have another 70-point game before the end of the year. Yeah. But I'm going to say no on 100. No on 100? Yeah. Okay, so that's two no's for 100. I voted yes. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Who's it going to be? Se- Ooh. Giannis. I don't know. No, nah, it's not going to be. It's going to be somebody who shoots basket. a lot of threes. Yeah, it's you're not right. going to be Giannis. 76% say no. Sorry, my mic is running away from me. 76% say no. An NBA player will not eclipse 100 in the next five years. 24% say yes. What are we laughing about? <laughs> One of the responses oh boy. from Citizen Mike voted no because Jalen Rose is out of the. <laughs> <laughs> If he, was, Kobe. if he was trying to D you up, maybe you had a chance. <laughs> That's a funny response. This one from Tom was pretty funny, too. No, no, they're not going to get to 100. Someone will get to 97 and shoot a half-court shot. That's a tenth of a second too late. Seabacher <laughs> uh, 44 says, if defense and pride get that bad, then the NBA will lose relevance. So hopefully no one has a 100-point game in the future. Yeah. Uh, That's actually a very good point because when Wilt when Wilt dropped the hundred like he did, he physically he was so superior to most of the NBA. Um, and the a, NBA a, was a blip at that point. Yeah, really, if yeah. a guy gets in, if a guy gets to like eighty with like nine minutes to go in a game, the defense he's going to face on the way out, no one's going to be want to be the team that is on the receiving end. Sure. No, uh, Jordy Went says maybe if they get extra overtime periods. Then they could, but not like Donovan Mitchell did this year. Gotcha. Or maybe, uh, or maybe Victor Wenbenyama ooh, has it in him when he comes it's... into the league. He'll be eight foot three by the time he comes into the league. That's right. <laughs> it grows two inches every three months. Uh, and then finally, Kalen says, after the amount of time we have spent waiting for Kevin Durant, if his debut is anything short of eighty-three points, <laughs> I'm calling it a failure. <laughs> All right, Kalen. Tough scale there. Tough. Tough, tough. All right. Uh, Speaking of tough, ooh, for Wildcat fans, that was a tough loss on Saturday to ASU. Another great instant classic moment in this rivalry. Open-ended question, guys. I'm pretty sure we've done this before, but we're asking it again. What is your favorite moment all time across any sport in the ASU U of A rivalry? I've got three. All right. I have to include what happened on Saturday because it was just an incredible moment. Where it leads, I don't know. Um... Keith Poole's touchdown in the 1996 Territorial Cup game 
where he caught the ball in the end zone and got absolutely drilled by Chris McAllister and just got up in his face and put both of his no- one fingers oh, up yeah, in the it's air. Yeah, like an iconic a great picture. photo. Yeah, uh, Kevin Galbraith's touchdown run against Desert Swarm in 1992 to beat Arizona seven wow. to six is right up there. So th- those are my three. So I'll seventy just, to seven I'll echo didn't make what the he cut. Says. He, he knows better than me. All right. Uh, 77 was probably the most popular response from ASU fans. That uh, photo that you just mentioned, Vince, that got a a good number of responses. Uh, A lot of ASU fans wrote the Jail Mary, which was not against U of A. Yeah, there's a a little detail missing there. Slight detail. Still started with a U. Great play, but it's USC. Uh, From the Arizona side, Daylight Films submitted Chuck Cecil. Nuff said he wrote... Um, that was, on the flip side of it, as an ASU fan, that was the worst moment. That, the that, that, that was in my, the worst. That was yeah, really, yeah. They I were mean, in contention for a national championship. Yeah, I yeah. that detail. I wasn't alive. Or I was a youngin, rather. Uh, let's see. Uh, Saturday's game got a couple votes. Yeah, and. Um, Oh, there was a, there was a hockey one that I wanted to read. Here it is, Pierce. I was at an ASU U of A hockey game in 2006. ASU was up four one early. Arizona came back and scored a buzzer beat it buzzer beater to tie it up as time expired, sending the game to overtime. ASU was so ticked that the last goal counted that they simply forfeited the game. <laughs> what? Uh, was it a wrong call or did something? They say what I don't know. It was. 2006. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was unaware of this. Club hockey. Very, very, Love uh, it. Very different back in the day. Yeah, that's there. right. Yeah, I guess right. you don't get those. Uh, a lot of people saying the catch, John Jefferson's catch from 1975. That was fabulous. Yeah. Yes. There's still very grainy footage of that. Grainy, grainy photographs, but... Even grainy. Look at the way he's laying out for that. <laughs> oh, no. It's one of the all-time all, all greatest. Yeah, Thank you uh, for everybody Thanks, who chimed in yes. to uh, Social Studies. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, thank social you Studies every day at 9 o'clock. You can get involved at Bickley underscore Murata on Twitter. Coming up next, we'll talk some Suns basketball. We'll get Kellen Olsen's views on these rotations and maybe the debut of Kevin Durant on Wednesday. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns uh, lose a tough one to start a road trip yesterday in Milwaukee. They've got Charlotte on Wednesday. Could mark the arrival, the debut of Kevin Durant here to talk all things Suns basketball. Our very own uh, Kellen Olson from Arizona Sports joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, good morning. What's up? Morning, guys. Uh, Bick and I were both in agreement. Uh, the outcome of yesterday's game, all things considered, when you consider the late lead, the momentum shift, the fact that Giannis wasn't playing, Bad loss for the Suns. Do you agree? Oh, I'm, I'm not sure I do. Interesting. Uh, yeah, was, I wasn't ready for that take, as you can tell by the voice, the, the noise that I just made there. Goodness. Uh, I, I don't I don't think so. I think that that was one of those games that was difficult for them to get through at the start of it because it's an 11 a.m. start. Uh, they were just here on Friday night playing. And Milwaukee just really set a physical tone from the get-go. Mm. And I thought that the Suns matched it, which was which was really good. And and then in the third quarter, it, about three minutes into it, we were like, "Oh, okay, here we go." Like Milwaukee's going to be up fifteen by the end of this, and the Suns are going to be in a really bad position. But then they were the ones who really pushed back. And like you guys said, 
really had the game in the in their in their possession, and I think that's where you can get to what you guys were saying. I think the Suns went three and a half minutes without a field goal, yeah. and, and that's the position that's the position in the game where you really have to win games. But I, I mean, they traded a whole lot of what makes their roster special to get Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's not on the team. Milwaukee is one of the deepest teams in the league right now, if not the deepest team in in the league right now. So I, I don't necessarily buy that it was it was a bad loss right. for them. I thought I thought that they I thought that they played well. Yeah, I'm. I, I think the end game sc- struggles and the the clutch time performance have me siding kind of more with Vinny's side of things. But again, I, I don't think any of this matters until KD takes the floor in this and this and that version of the Suns team can can kind of create an identity. Hopefully, gets them to the winner's circle. Let me ask you about the rotation in the bench and and the evolution of where this thing is going. Uh, clearly, this is not an easy process for Monty Williams to to whittle down um, guys he's had players he trusts new faces how is this thing going to shake out gail yeah i don't know but I, I did not expect the fan base to be this riveted by it uh because if you go to my twitter yesterday you're either going to see people complaining about the loss like uh, to to your guys's extent in terms of how it was a bad loss or just asking where tj ward is it seems like tj warren is taking the role of dwayne washington jr who took the role of aaron holiday and, and so on and so forth of the guy on the bench who, who fans think should be in there, and I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now who agree with that sentiment. Uh, I, I'm i curious to see how Terrence Ross gets into the mix with things because I thought on Friday he was pretty impressive with the way he was moving around the court with the effort and engagement that he was showing. And then on Sunday, the same mindset and the same effort and energy was there, but Milwaukee just really went at him defensively, and you saw – Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday really taking advantage of that. And there were some possessions in the second half where it felt like every single time down they were going at him. And, and he's the guy really off the bench who seems like he's in the position to be the sixth man. But if he's in a spot like that defensively where he's getting picked off, Monty brought him out a little earlier than he normally would, I think, in, in the first half specifically because he was struggling defensively. I thought that was Torrey Craig's best game in a couple of weeks. He, he was absolutely everywhere on the offensive glass. Defensively, it felt like his edge was really there. And then, of course, Josh Okogie is someone who will factor into this as either the fifth starter or the guy coming off the bench. And that's where you figure out the balance and things, we saw end game how Terrence Ross and Damon Lee were out there when the Suns were going offense only. That's where people were asking again, where is T.J. Warren? I think it's had to do more with spacing because that's the odd thing with T.J. is that he hasn't been a good shooter this year, but he's a good scorer. He's not really that great of a defender. It's, it's tough for, to find him minutes specifically. And that's where Ish Wainwright has come to the conversation a lot, where, where he has continued to get minutes and fans have been eager to see T.J. get them over Ish right now. But Ish just knows the system knows how to defend in their lineups, and I think that was something that Monty even cited after TJ's debut is that he's got to pick up some things with how they rotate defensively, and, and that's the dynamic of this trade that makes it so interesting, right, that they've got 20 games to figure this out. If we were talking about this in, in training camp, I think we would have all been assured that, that TJ was going to get out there and, and, and other guys were going to get more time, but they've only got a certain amount of time here to figure things out. Kellen Olson, Arizona Sports Suns Insider, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Vic um, and I were talking earlier, too, and I know he's just back from an injury just two games into his return. Uh, campaign looks like he's going to be the backup point guard that is trusted by Monty Williams and this coaching staff for the third straight postseason. So far yesterday, obviously the results weren't there, and Chris Paul had to play 40 minutes in that game as a result. Uh, not sustainable. Don't think it will be. Uh, but do you think ultimately the Suns will uh, regret not upgrading their backup point guard spot? 
I don't think so because the rotation that we're seeing is just not the rotation we're going to be seeing in the playoffs, especially when Kevin Durant gets into the mix. I, I think that that entirely changes the dynamic of how you kind of put your team out there because the one thing that Suns fans were really hoping for last year was more of the stagger, meaning that when Devin Booker or Chris Paul comes out, one of them is still on the court, and now you can run a different version of the stagger where you can almost have two of those guys out there at the same time, meaning Kevin Durant in the mix in terms of those three players. So I think that in and of itself is going to help that position because you look at on-ball creativity, you look at the guy running the offense, that can be Kevin Durant some stretches, and the guy who's been bringing the ball to start the games for the last two has been Devin Booker, he's been running a lot of more point guard in the last few games. I think that's kind of alluding to what they're going to look for him to do more when Kevin Durant gets into the mix. I don't think it's a position that's ultimately going to matter too much for them, and I think that everything about their postseason fade is really going to be tied, not to their depth, but just how those big four play in particular, because when you get one more guy like Kevin Durant into that mix, I don't think that the 12, 14 minutes of campaign is going to play is ultimately going to matter too much. I think that maybe the first half events like Terrence Roth, like we said, could factor in, but it's going to come down to how those three guys play every night, and if they perform at the level that they should, then they're going to win a championship. But if they don't, that's where you can look at regrets, but you ask like, what else could have gotten done, and You'd take Kevin Durant every scenario. Maybe the Bucks are a bad comp, but when you look at the team and the way they were able to put that game in a straitjacket defensively down the stretch, and you look at the, their defensive-minded guys, whether it's Giannis, whether it's Bobby Portis or Brooke Lopez, you can do the dueling gambles, rattle them off. My question is this. It, it, defensively, we know Devin Booker's a good defensive player. We know Chris Paul has been a good defense, and Katie, but do you worry about them defensively being able to team that can lock down at that level when it matters the most? Uh, I don't think so, because I think that what they get with Kevin Durant coming in, I wrote about this on ArizonaSports.com last week, is that if Kevin Durant comes in and he gives them a secondary rim protector, which is something that they haven't had all year. Durant averages a block and a half a game. He's a very, very good defensive player. I think he's going to surprise people. When, when you think about defense, you think about the guy defending on the ball, but Durant is kind of in the Jay Crowder sense where he's a really excellent team defender overall, and I think that he's going to help their shape there a lot. But more to your point, Dan, I I think less about their team defense and more about their individual defense now in the last 20 games, because who is going to guard that guy that gets going? Like, for example, it was Drew Holiday last night or or last afternoon, and we saw Chris Paul and Denver on on consecutive possessions do a great job on Drew Holiday. Like, that's not going to be Mikel Bridges anymore. So is it going to be Torrey Craig, Josh Akogi? Durant, is it going to be Booker or Paul in some situations? I, I don't really know who it's going to be. We knew it was going to be Mikel Bridges every night. I'm, I'm less worried about them sort of having a defense that's good enough to win a championship. I think it's more so if their offense slides off, can their defense step up on some nights? I think, right. I think that's more what you're getting to, Dan. Yes, like if yes. those types of games exactly. present themselves, can they play that kind of game? I think that's the DeAndre Ayton question more than any other DeAndre Ayton question with this team, to be honest, because we know about the rock fighting game four against the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. That's when DeAndre played one of the best games in, in postseason history, in my opinion, with how dominant he was defensively in franchise history, I should say. He was he was spectacular. So I think that's more of a DeAndre question than anyone. Kellen Olsen, our guest. Uh, Kellen, before we let you go, Wednesday night, Charlotte, North Carolina. Is there any reason to believe that Kevin Durant won't be on the floor? I don't think so. Cassie Hubbard reported a lot of good information yesterday that the Suns essentially traveled to Charlotte yesterday right after the game 
and they're going to have today and tomorrow to sort of take practice time, take five-on-five time, and get Kevin Durant that last little look in, in what's being what was defined as, as his final ramp-up phase. I, I'm hoping there's not a final, final ramp-up phase, guys. <laughs> yeah. This is just indeed the final ramp-up phase because, again, just hearing from DeAndre Ayton after the scrimmage that they had in Phoenix, it sounded like Kevin Durant was out there and that he was making a lot of things happen. So it seems like we're just about there. Yeah, good. Kellen, great stuff as always. Thanks. Appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Kellen Olson, our uh, Suns insider, Arizona Sports, also part of Empire of the Suns with Kevin Zimmerman. They do the podcast, does a great job. He joined us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Monday. That means we got to hand out some weekend hardware. We'll do it straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Time to take a look at the Arizona Sports Poll Question. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Welcome back to the show. We are Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming to you 6 to 10 every single morning here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And we're going to our website, ArizonaSports.com, for today's poll question, which brings me no joy to read. <laughs> Let's talk about Saturday's basketball game between ASU and U of A. Four options for you guys to vote on. What should Desmond Cambridge Jr.'s half-court buzzer beater be called? Miracle at McHale. McHale Mary. Shot heard round the state or McHale Miracle. Ooh. McHale Mary's good. That's a that's a, that's a good turn of the phrase. I like that. I like that one the best of those four. Do you have a different submission? Mm. The we'll gut punch up. in the old Pueblo? There's got to be something with Desmond Cambridge's name that we could do some sort of play on You're that. You're creative. Yeah, I'll, I'll come yeah. up with something. Yeah. Please right. do, Jared. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> Vote submitted for Mikhail Mary. It's yeah. close, but that is the leader right now. 40% like that one the best. Miracle at Mikhail is getting 36% Pretty of the good. vote. 16% voted for Shot Heard Round the State. <laughs> Mikhail Miracle, 8%. Shot Heard Round is, is that's claimed. That's lame. Too. Claimed and lame. Claimed and lame. <laughs> All right. There's uh, today's Sanderson Ford poll question. Whatever you feel, you can vote on it right now on the homepage at ArizonaSports.com. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Handing out the hardware. Hardware is our Monday version of the award show. It is brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Bick, you want to hand out the first the award? The Good Career Move Award, Vinny, I'm giving to Blake Martinez, <laughs> former linebacker for the Raiders, whom apparently I'm not the only one who read this story. Blake Martinez quit his job as an NFL linebacker to, to sell Pokemon cards. Yeah. And he's making a fortune. Yeah. Like, apparently... Five million, million bucks, bucks last year. Yes. My yeah. my award name for that was Pokemon Doe. Wow. Did we all? <laughs> I did not have that. It was an interesting story. How about you? Yeah. Hey, if you got a side hustle like that, what are you going to risk the injury? And that's why nobody my... ever got hurt selling Pokemon cards. Yeah. So, right. so apparently he used his wealth to just buy thousands and thousands of packs and spends all day opening and looking at cards. And he 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 uh, he apparently possessed a rare Pikachu card, sold that for $672,000. Here you go. Good on you, Blake. There was a lot of people who wanted Blake Martinez to end up with the Cardinals at one point. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yep. 
Uh, my first award is the Fernando Tatis Award. No, it's not going to an athlete who hurt himself on a motorcycle who who got popped for uh, using performance-enhancing drugs. I'm talking about Fernando Tatis Sr., best known for hitting two Grand Slam home runs in one inning in a game for the Cardinals in 1999. The award goes to Liam McFadden Ackman of the Northern Kentucky Norse. College baseball. He hit two grand slams in the first inning of his team's 27-4 win over Western Michigan. But he went a step further. Not only did he hit two grand slams in one inning, he ended up hitting for the cycle in the game. Five for six, four runs scored, hit for the cycle, two slams, 10 RBI. In his first 80 games of his collegiate career at Northern Kentucky, he had eight home runs. <laughs> Two grand slams in one inning. That's amazing stuff. Are there are a lot of Nordic people in the northern part of Kentucky that I'm unaware of. I, uh, I've always wondered about that particular... A lot of, a lot of Vikings. Classic lineage. A lot yeah. of Vikings going through the plains yeah. there, I suppose. Uh, my first award is That's Why They Call Him The Bucks, I suppose. This goes to the Milwaukee Bucks, who's uh, were sold today. Mark Lazary, is that how you say yeah. his name? Uh, sold his stakes to the owners of the Cleveland Browns, the Haslam family, at an evaluation of $3.5 billion, which means that the Suns are still the highest valued franchise to go in this uh People were sort of wondering after the Suns set the new mark for what NBA teams would go for, what the next team to be sold, what their evaluation would be. But what who, was the who, percent- was, who was wondering that, Jared? People were People. actually wondering that. Wondering, yeah, what, what, really? how high was it going to go for I've, the next I've team? I've not encountered one basketball fan <laughs> who said, hmm, you know what? Now that the Suns have sold for four... Ba- <laughs> I think you okay, and Jared, Jared are talking about different say, Whatever you say, Jared. <laughs> Can't wait what for you your say, man. next award. This, yeah. this is the yeah. whatever you Can't say. Can't wait for your next award. Jared what's, Award. What's second in the link of ESPN headlines today? That'll be your next award. Wow. Goodness. <laughs> hey, oh, your, your first one was the one we all thought of. Okay. Sarah. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to do a boxing award, but I feel like I should just let you two box it out. I don't know. All right. This is the This Is Why We Don't Listen to Jake Paul Award. And it goes to Drake, the rapper. Uh, in the lead up to the showdown between Jake Paul and Tommy Fury, Jake Paul apparently told fans during his you know promotional interviews to bet the house, bet the farm, bet the mortgage. You know, $400,000 is nothing to a man of Drake's stature, but he put down $400,000 on Jake Paul, which, you know, is basically a mortgage. Uh, and a reporter mentioned that to Jake Paul in his post-match press conference. Did you guys hear how he reacted? No, I didn't. This just makes Jake Paul even more punchable. Listen to this. This is Drake's fault. <laughs> Drake, bro. <laughs> Why you do this to me? Nah. Nah. It, it's it's my fault, but... <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. See, now that's an award, Jared. That's the way to do it. The, I mean, Bomani Jones at the last laugh, too. Did you see what happened between Bomani Jones and Jake Paul on his show on HBO? No. Yes, what I happens did. if yes, you actually lose? Yes, I did. And he could couldn't even answer the question. He got so mad about the idea of losing. That yeah. he said, I don't even know who the blank you are. Oh my gosh, so, he did. He did say in his post-match interview as well. Oh man, I I never thought I would have to think about what to say after a loss. Really? You thought you'd go undefeated <laughs> in your career, <laughs> bro? Reminded me of. Bro. Reminded me of. Wow, bro. Wow, that's bro. crazy. That's so, so love, that's bro. So love, bro. He's so 
don't ah. really like that way. All right. All right, uh, the Don't Ever Tick Off Sa- Sally Jenkins Award. I'm giving to Live Golf, ladies and gentlemen. Told you at the start of the program, Live Golf carded a point two on the TV rating scale, which is abysmal, right? Yes. And and that was for their tournament over the weekend. Uh, in a recent column, uh, Sally Jenkins from the Washington Post eviscerated everything about Live Golf, but particularly uh, one Phil Mickelson, who she described is, quote, that aging inveterate scrounger Mickelson, who apparently would take checks from the slaughter of dolphins to get home. <laughs> End quote. Wow. From the slaughter of dolphins to get home. Wow. What a joke, wow. Live Golf is. I've been saying it. I, 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 don't, I still don't get why people defend Live Golf. It's like a good name for a heavy metal album. Slaughter of dolphins. <laughs> the scrounger. This summer, prepare for slaughter of dolphins, cocaine uh, dolphins. <laughs> uh, my next award is the What Do We Have to Do Award, and I'm giving it to the L.A. Clippers, who shot 60% from the floor, 57% from three-point range, and 86% from the free-throw line in a game, and lost. Yes, that game went to double overtime Friday, and the Sacramento Kings beat the Clippers 176-175. That has happened. That shooting line for a team has happened only 38 times in history. And that includes the early stages of the three-point shot where teams would shoot one or two a game. Uh, The Clippers are just the second team to lose with those stats. If you consider those numbers with more than 20 attempted threes in a game, the Clippers are now the first one to lose. They're 7-1. and They also became the first team in NBA history to hit 26 or more three-pointers in a game and lose. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> that is almost impossible that, what they you did. You wouldn't think that's possible. No. By the way, it's the second highest scoring game in NBA history. The first was a triple overtime game in 1983 between the Pistons and the Nuggets, 186-184. You remember those teams, don't you, Vinny? Yes. Dickie Vanderway, <laughs> Alex English, Dan Etzel, Doug Moe, John Long. Doug Moe. Isaiah Thomas. Doug Moe was the coach. He didn't um, those two teams yeah. in 83 each went one of two from the three-point range. <laughs> Four total <laughs> shots. There were 86 three-point shots in the game on Friday night. 40, 86 40, total? 44 makes. <laughs> Holy 11 cow. times more makes than attempts in that game. Wow. Shows you how much the game has changed. Yes. Real quick, I just want to get yeah, in Jared, my... Yeah, Jared, I didn't mean to someone, put any no. pressure on you. Right? This award is the Someone Stop Him Now Award. <laughs> and it goes to Brian May, the guitarist from Queen, who today, uh, yesterday confirmed that he is in talks for a sequel to Bohemian Rhapsody. Huh? Oh, he really shouldn't do that. What's he doing that for? Because he wants more money? Ha! <laughs> I mean, uh, the movie, if I remember, ended with, yeah. Uh, yeah. The demise of Freddie I'm, Mercury. I'm, I'm not sure a lot of people want to see the, the post-Freddie Mercury Queen story there, Brian. Yeah, I don't know. I left the theater wondering whatever what became of after John that? Deacon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yikes. All right, you redeemed yourself, Ferret. Yeah, we got to axe your last award, Sarah. Sorry. We went too long. Oh, that's okay. A big axed it when he started with (laughs) us. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, so you you saved me. Teamwork. My bad. bad. Teamwork makes the dream work. That's uh, hard work. Brought to you by Revitalized Weight Loss and Wellness. Some final thoughts on this Monday. Straight ahead, it's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Bickley and Murata. Song of the Day. Carlin, the inspiration for today's song of the day from Queen. What was the name of the award, Jared? The Just Stop Him Now Award? Yeah, Someone Stop Him Now. <laughs> I did enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Nobody will listen to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if you would have thrown a, isn't that veer? <laughs> <laughs> you ever see a... Uh, Shaun of the Dead. I have not seen no, it. I love the movies those guys put out, like The World's End, uh, Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I haven't seen Shaun of the Dead. Why was it this? There's a there, yeah. There's a scene in it with this song. Gotcha. You know the song. You love the song. It's Don't Stop Me Now. It's Queen today's Song of the Day. Bickley and Murata going off the grid. Off the grid. Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. Normally, I'm not going to have issue with anybody who throws out a Bill Walton impression. All right. Jared, did you watch Saturday Night Live this week? Yeah. I haven't watched the episode yet, but I saw this kind of went out there. Yeah, oh, it's all anyone's talking about. It's very strange. No. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's not. Uh-huh. On Weekend Update, you know they have like these these walk-ons where you know the, the cast members come on and do characters. So apropos of nothing and out of the clear blue, James Austin Johnson, who's on, he does the great Trump impression. Okay. Apparently, he does a Bill Walton impression. So they brought him on for a walk-on. Here with some perspective is NBA analyst and Hall of Famer Bill Walton. Perhaps the premier comedy show in the history of Western civilization. <laughs> Michael Che, the wizard of weekend update, lord of the Lower East Side. Throw it down, big fella. <laughs> it just seems like they were in a meeting and James Austin Johnson was like, yeah, I do a Walton impression. Oh, let's, let's squeeze it, it in. The show. Yeah, we know he's a big in. basketball fan. Uh, right before the trade deadline when the Suns played the Nets at Barclays Center, Mikel mm-hmm. Bridges had a, a moment where he shot a three-pointer and he did his his little point in his head bob yeah, thing. Yeah. And he did it towards the Brooklyn fans and there was one shot and it was James Austin Johnson from Saturday Night Live sitting in the front row with this frown on his face. Now Mikel Bridges, uh, he was presumably a Nets oh, fan. Okay. I think he was wearing a Nets shirt. So. Oh, I see. Okay. I it's like We throw in like ill-timed Walton impressions yours, all the time on this I, I show. I think yours is better than his. So I agree. But it just, I don't know, it just seemed weird. You know what else was weird? The pregame introductions at the University of Alabama basketball game on oh, Saturday. Boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Talk with, about tone deaf. With everything that is going on with the Brandon Miller situation, they've already had one guy, uh, Darius Miles, booted off the team in connection with a, a, a shooting which, which killed a 23-year-old woman in Tuscaloosa. Well, we've now come to know there was a, a detective who testified Brandon Miller delivered the gun to Darius Miles and this other guy who pulled the trigger and this woman ended up dead. 
Nate Oates, the head coach of Alabama, had some very tone-deaf comments last week. He had to walk those back. But Brandon Miller is still playing. Mm-hmm. And he comes out in his pregame introduction with the lights out and the music blaring and, and everything happening. And he mm-hmm. walks out very slowly and he gets to the end of the line. And one of the walk-on players on Alabama... Does like a security pat down. Pat down. Yeah. Yep. Now apparently Brandon Miller's been doing that all season long. But how do you not know? Nate Oates had to come out and say, it's a bad look, it won't happen again. But the pressure on Alabama to put this guy on the bench or hold him out in this while this investigation is happening is immense. And he's still playing. Yeah. And they're one of the top teams in the yeah. country. It's, yeah, it's really, it's it's a most unfortunate situation. What, what I thought what I thought they did pregame with that was just... It was gross. It was gross. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it was completely, absolutely tone deaf and almost came off as thumbing their nose at... At a person who's lost yes. their life. Gloating. Yes. Yeah, you can't touch me. Yeah. And a woman is dead. Doug Gottlieb says that it was to mimic... What you before you go into the UFC into the cage, they pat you down like Read he's going for a fight. The freaking room. Right. Yes, and he, okay. again, he's been doing it all year. But things have changed, Brandon Miller. Time to change your routine. Mm-hmm. The world is watching you. Yes. Just stupid. Yeah. Word. <laughs> Word. <laughs> Word. He says. Word to your mother. Word to your mother. Yeah, Word well, to your let's mother. Not go that far, please. <laughs> Yeah, no, listen, that's, I, I, uh, again, there, with, with all with all the heat on that program for doing what they're doing, which is trusting this young man and playing this young man, to do something like that is just, it's uh, grotesque. Yeah, yeah I I'm with to, you on that. Uh, one last thing before we go. Uh, we've heard the highlight a couple times, and I'm not doing this to, to pile on anybody, but no, I, wanted I, to po- I wanted to point out the job that Tim Healy and Kyle Dodd did. I did a longer edit. Okay. Of uh, of the end game situation, and listen to the foreshadowing going on here uh, from from Kyle Dodd and Tim Healy. First free throws on the way, no good. Now you prefer that he makes this. Will he try to miss it on purpose? Because it would be really almost impossible for the Devils to rebound a missed shot and get off a uh, desperation heave down court. Let's see what Balo does. 2.9 seconds remaining. Free throw on the way. Got it. Okay, we all know what so happens the after that. Final two seconds inbounded to Des Cambridge. Launches from backcourt. Oh, he made it! He made it! He made it! Oh. He made it. Oh. Yeah, we that's know good. No, you're, no, you're right. To, to, to kind of foreshadow that a little bit with the free throw situation. And I didn't, I, I didn't read a lot of the reaction out of Tucson. Did uh, maybe you did, Sarah? Did you see? Did did Balo admit that he was trying to miss that, or did he? Was that ever talked about? I'll be honest. I don't know if he ever talked about that. Okay. The uh, only thing I, I could think of is that they didn't want to miss it on purpose, and then you accidentally foul them on the trying to get the rebound or something. But they didn't really even have anybody could win on the, the game line with the free throw. Like, and they were so, I mean, like there was nobody within 10 feet of yeah. Des Cambridge when he shot that ball. Yeah, the issue is you've got to you've got to impede the guy. You can't just give him a running look like that. Yeah. You just... That was just way too easy. Not easy. That's, that's okay. the easiest sixty no, footer. Yeah, no, that really came out stupid. <laughs> Tell me to shut up, Jared. Get your revenge. Never. I would never disrespect you. Shut up, Bickley. I hate you, Bickley. Oh, I didn't that. mean that. What did I just say? <laughs>
<laughs> Classic moment in the show's history. Right. Uh, that is going to do it for us on this uh, Monday. Thanks to our guest, Casey Jacobson, Kellen Olson. Thanks to you for hanging out as well. We will be back tomorrow morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. Wolf and Luke are up next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Have a great day, everybody.